A good coach has education and then they do a lot of, a lot of guesswork because everybody is different. So when you come to me, the first set of macros I give you or nutrition or whatnot, it's my best educated guess. And then I watch your body for two weeks and I see how it responds. And then I respond accordingly. I'll change the plan accordingly. So when I late, when I first sign my clients up, I will walk them through like, this is where you want to be. This is where you're at. Here's the gap. This is how we fill the gap. But you're going to have to bring your expectations down because we don't know yet how your body's going to respond. Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'll be joining the line later today by Lindsay Parker. Now, before we jump into this week's episode, I want to give you a quick recap of the week that was, because if I'm being totally honest, it wasn't the most exciting week, wasn't the most noteworthy, but still, mad things got done last week. So coming off kind of the holiday break, getting back in a routine, I had a lot of catch up to do. I had minty calls. And that's been really fun. I only take a couple of mentees at a time because it is kind of time intensive, but I really enjoy the process. And I'm, I'm really enjoying the group that I have right now because we get a nice blend of, hey, let's talk some business stuff. Let's talk some coaching stuff. But a couple of the guys that I'm thinking of right now, I mean, their client bases are full, which is awesome. Uh, they both got wait lists. One guy just signed a lease, so he's moving from being an independent contractor to opening his own facility. So really excited for where they're at. Uh, a lot of client stuff to get done, online client stuff, mostly because, I mean, I'm full as well. Uh, I know I mentioned this before the holiday break, but I was looking to add you know somewhere between three and five. I hate putting that out there on Instagram or wherever. It's like, oh, now looking for five new motivated. It's like so annoying. But I was legitimately looking for a couple new people to kind of just fill out the roster to start 2022. So got some new people started this last month. And for right now, the books are full. So excited to be working with them. I really, way more than in the past, enjoying online coaching. I feel like now I finally got all the processes set up. Uh, I've kind of just let people know what it takes to be successful. And I think I've done that in the past, but I've just pressed it a lot more now. Like, hey, if you're not sending me video, if you're not checking in regularly, you're not going to be successful. So anyway, lots of catch up on that front, some coaching going on at the gym, some really good coaching. Like I mentioned before, I got a couple of my NBA guys in and out right now. So that's great having them in. Uh, I got a new young basketball player I'm helping do some return to play stuff with. So that's fun. Content. Come on. I, I promise content and I realize this is only week two, but the content train is kind of cranking back up and I'm excited about that. So I've been very consistent with the podcast over the years, so I'm not surprised by the growth there. But video like Instagram, YouTube, that's been a hit or miss. The writing has been a hit or miss. And the writing is still kind of in that process of getting back on track. Some of the routines that I followed and just kind of the weekly schedule that I use to be more prolific when I was writing more, I don't have those right now, if I'm being honest. So I'm trying to figure out and structure my week in a way to where I've got a better balance between, you know, being in the gym and coaching and doing the things necessary to drive iFast and get new members in there, but also the stuff necessary for me to create great content and not just the free unpaid stuff, you know, like the podcast or the newsletter articles, videos, like you can consume those forever and never pay me anything. But I have to find this balance between the free content and then continuing to elevate the paid content via the certification as well. So excited in the grand scheme because I feel like things are trending in the right direction here and I'm slowly kind of rebuilding some of those systems and some of those procedures to make sure I get that stuff out every week. So if you enjoy the content, definitely let me know, especially Instagram and YouTube. You're going to see stuff there pretty much every day for the foreseeable future. So I hope you enjoy it. And then last but not least, uh, it's hard to believe because I think I agreed to do this like a year ago, but the Raise the Bar conference is coming up in Orlando first week end in February. So excited to do that. I did an Instagram live with Nick last week and just talking about, you know, some of the soft skills necessary to be successful. And, and this is something I've thought a lot about because I think most of us, myself, 
probably people such as yourself that consume podcasts and are into continuing education kind of think of yourselves as higher level practitioners. And I know I definitely did. <laughs> Looking back, you know, in 2002, 2003, when I'm just getting started, though, like the fact of the matter was I wasn't a high level practitioner. I didn't have those hard skills necessary to be a great coach. So one of the things that allowed me time to grow into being a better practitioner was my soft skills. It allowed me to, you know, relate to people, to forge and, and drive and build relationships, force me to empathize with the situations that they were coming from. So all those soft skills that I generated and cultivated as a young coach, I think gave me the time and opportunity to become the type of practitioner that I wanted to be. So I'm really excited uh, to go to that event. I'll make sure I get some links in the show notes. So if you're still interested, I think there's maybe like five or 10% of seats are left for the live conference. And if you don't want to attend live, there's a virtual or online option as well. So excited to do that, but that's enough for me. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to jump into this awesome new episode with Lindsay Parker. It seems like almost every day I talk to trainers and coaches who are frustrated. Maybe they're frustrated with the results they're getting. Maybe they're frustrated because they don't have trusted resources to learn from. And maybe they're frustrated because they simply don't have enough clients and wonder how long they'll be able to stay in this industry. So if this sounds anything like you, I've got something that I know will help. My Complete Coach Certification was created for trainers and coaches just like you, who are serious about the results they get and know that becoming a better coach can directly translate to a bigger bottom line. This certification takes the last 20 years of my life's work and puts it all into one massive course. In it, you're gonna learn how to use the R7 system to create seamless, integrated, and efficient programs for clients and athletes of all shapes and sizes. One of the best pieces of feedback I've gotten about the Complete Coach Cert is that people that train gin pop people and people that train high-level athletes and everyone in between is taking something away from the course. You also learn how to create the culture, environment, and relationships with everyone you train so you can get the absolute best results. You're going to learn the exact progressions, regressions, and coaching cues I use in the gym, from squatting and deadlifting to pressing and pulling and everything in between. And last but not least, I've got an entire section on my assessment process and how to use that to write programs faster and more effectively than ever before. Now, of course, there's a ton more that I cover, but that should give you a pretty good idea of what the certification is all about. Now, here's the thing. Spots for the certification only open twice per year for a limited time. If you're interested in learning more, my next certification will open soon. And if you join my free insiders list, you'll be able to save $200 when it opens. To get on that insiders list, just head over to completecoachcertification.com. Again, completecoachcertification.com, and then stay tuned for our launch emails very soon. Thank you so much for your support, and I hope you'll pick up a copy of the Complete Coach Cert when it launches. Lindsay Parker is, first and foremost, a wife and mother of three. She has a deep passion for learning and teaching, but also really loves lifting weights and fitness. And Lindsay feels it's part of her calling to help you appreciate and take care of your body as a means to enrich your life with your family and loved ones. In this show, Lindsay and I talk about cultivating a healthy approach to fitness and nutrition. We talk about the role shame, anxiety, and being emotionally charged can play in your journey. We discuss intuitive eating and how to do it more effectively. And last but not least, we talk about the role of coaching and accountability and why finding the right coach is so important. While this show was a little bit different than stuff that I've done in the past, I really think Lindsay does a fantastic job outlining some of the biggest issues that women are struggling with these days, and I think you're going to take a ton away from it. But enough for me. Let's do this. Lindsay, thanks so much for coming on the show here today. Really excited to chat with you. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, man, I always hate this question because I'm like, where do where do I start? <laughs> um, I am a fitness junkie. I love it. But I would have to say, like, most of my experience is biomechanics, program design. I'm kind of one of those, like, certification junkies where I love, yes. like, just, like, every year I feel, like, I feel stagnant if I'm not learning, right? I like and that, it, yeah. 
yeah, and I'm, I'm not progressing. And 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 I'm also like I love uh, reading research, and so I'm kind of like a research. Well, no, I wouldn't say research junkie. I'm kind. <laughs> of, I'm more of like I love mass member because I'm like yeah, you you grab the good research that we can kind of pick apart and review. I like that. But so that's just a little bit about me. Like I feel like I got into biomechanics because if you see me, I don't look like a lifter. Like I look more like a ballerina. So it's like, I have like these longer limbs and the ratios of them. When I would squat, I would not look like the book. Yeah. And it drove me nuts. And I had so many people tell me like you're squatting quote unquote wrong. You shouldn't be deadlifting like that. And I'm like, I literally cannot do it how you're asking me to. Right. Right. So it just kind of sent me down this path of why do I look different when I lift? And I wasn't even a coach at this point. I was just like, I loved lifting and I, and my husband was so funny. I'm like, Hey, I want to spend a couple thousand dollars to fly across the country to learn about biomechanics. And he's like, sure. (laughs) (laughs) He was so awesome about it. He really just like, he loved that I had this passion. He's a, a competitor. He's done local stuff and loves it. And he always does really well with it too. And so he was just like, yeah, you go learn, bring back, teach me. So we've been like a fun team doing this. And then it just kind of moved me into coaching and helping women hit their goals. Cause women, women are always like, what I'm doing the same program as my favorite fitness influencer. Right. How come I don't look like her yet? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, well, because you weren't born to her parents one, like right. you don't have those same genetics and what she needs and what you need are two total are two different things. Right. So, yes. so that's just like my, where my passion resides a little bit about me. Yeah. And, and why I, I love doing what I do. I love it. I love it. So talk to me, what got you started in this originally, this girl with the ballerina frame, long limbed, oh, uh-huh. what drew you to the weight room? Okay. So I, it was, I was more like pushed into the weight room Okay, <laughs> uh, I would have to say by my husband, because, you know, right now it's kind of, it's a lot more common weights are more accepted now for women. Like yeah. they're finally realizing this is where the body of their dreams lies is through this. Right. Yep. But, you know, six years ago when I started, it, it wasn't like that. And a lot of girls are still, you know, obsessing about the bouncy bouncy is what I call it. Like you always have to be bouncing and moving and the heart rate needs to stay up. And it's like, sometimes like I watch them and I'm like, I'm drained just watching you. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> but when I started, it wasn't like that. But so I came from a family of runners and I just always thought, well, you need to run to have this athletic body. And my sister's have a totally different body type than I do. So they would run, lose body fat, and they would look fit. I would run, lose body fat. And I I just looked gangly and like skinny. And there's nothing wrong with skinny. It's just, not, that's not what I wanted. Right. But I was convinced that like, I'll never have it because I do what all these other people do. And I don't look that way. And so I'm just, I'm just accepting my genetics. I'll never have it. And then I marry a guy who loves weights. And he tries to convince me to lift weights. And I'm like, no, I don't want, you know, bull trap. I don't want that. (laughs) And then I got a lower back injury. I think it was from wakeboarding, but I couldn't run anymore. I couldn't Mm -hmm. do the bouncy bouncy. Like I had three bulging discs in my low back and it hurt just to lay down on my back. Yeah. Like with my legs, like straight, you know, and, and the sheets would pull on my toes and that would hurt. Like that's how bad it was. And so my husband finally won. I had to lose weight and he, he won on this battle and he's like, just go into the gym and lift. And I couldn't do anything with my lower body. And like, I couldn't run, I couldn't do a stationary bike. It all hurt, Yeah. but I could go in and I could do back and, you know, lift weights with back and arms. And I just got addicted to it. I got addicted to feeling strong. Never in my life had I felt strong before. And so I just really fell in love with the process to the point where like, I felt like the night before was like 
Christmas Eve every night. I was so <laughs> excited for my for my lifts the next day. But it was hard at first. I'm not going to lie. Like as a girl who didn't look like she belonged in the free weight section, I felt like I was intruding on all of these guys who looked like they belonged there, kind of meatheads. Some of them, you know, kinder about it than others. And so I just felt out of place. But, you know, after like, eight months. And and every day I would come home and tell my husband, like, I just feel so out of place there. And I want to go back to my comfort, the cardio section. Mm -hmm. And he's like, keep doing it, keep doing it. And I remember finally six or eight months in finally coming home. And I was like, I know what a pump is now. (laughs) That's what everybody's talking about. And it's like, I can see my shoulders. And, And I just fell in love with the process of feeling strong. Love it. Love it. Okay. So talk to me about falling in love with that process and finding your passion there and walk me through like where you're at now and the work that you're doing with women right now. That was me just falling in love with the process. Right. And then I started like, I'm, I'm kind of, people would probably say like, I overthink things. (laughs) Like I like the nuances. I like learning about it. I would do a bicep curl and then I would print off these free plans off of what is it? Bodybuilding.com or something Mm -hmm. like that. Now I look back on them and I'm like, Ooh, that was bad. That was (laughs) really, but do you know what? As a newbie lifter, gosh, anything's going to work, right? Yep. Yep. Anything. So me just getting in, going through the emotions, getting into the habit, falling in love with this, excited about strength. And then as I developed as a lifter, then it makes sense to, okay, now I'm wondering like, why in this plan is there a bicep curl? And then there's also like a supinated bicep curl. Like what's the difference between the two? And I just started questioning a lot of things. My husband has loved lifting since he was younger. And so it was fun coming home and like questioning it and diving into it. And then, and then um, when I could finally start doing lower body stuff, And I could finally start lifting, you know, trying to do squats without hurting my back. That was already fragile Mm -hmm. and RDL or deadlifting and trying to build my strength. But my, but I had to be very cautious about my back at the same time because I'm coming from, you know, this, this background of this injury. And so that's when I just started realizing that everybody tells me that I need to squat a certain way, but I, I can't, I can't. And so it was so fun. I was one of, I don't know if you've heard of N1 Education. Mm-hmm. Kasim Hansen is really just, he is taking, in my opinion, he's taking the industry to the next level. Like the amount of detail that he's diving into with a lot of, and his background of research and biomechanics is really helping out. So anybody who's listening, man, follow him. He's He's been one of my mentors so I, I was one of the first that started going through their programs and their coursework and their practicals. It was so fun finding out like, well, the reason why you don't, you don't squat like that is, you know, we've, we've got a few things, you know, you, you have these freakishly long femurs. I call that, I call them my lemurs. They're Lindsay's yeah. femurs. They're freakishly <laughs> long. People will always say, well, it's because you're tall. I'm like, it has nothing to do with height. It has to do with my proportions. Yes. And then, and then on top of that, you throw in there, like my, at the time, my lack of ankle mobility. And there were just some other structural things that, that were, and, and I could make these small modifications and then be able to squat towards my goal too. That was, that was another thing. So it has been really, but then also I'm, you know, if we're going to label my body, it's more of like an ectomorph. Like I'm, so I'm spending a lot of time in builds to try to put on more muscle. I'm not one of those girls who naturally genetically had a lot of muscle, went through a three month, you know, fat loss phase. And now all of a sudden you can just see my muscle that was genetically there from the beginning. Like I've been somebody who's, I've put on 15 plus pounds of muscle and I've continued to work towards that. That wasn't always the case. You know, at first I just wanted to kind of lose my belly, feel strong, see, you know, what girls are like, feel toned. Yeah. 
but now I'm just like, no, I, I want to build my glutes more. I have like a narrow, long pelvis. So for me to, you know, girls who have like, like shorter, wider pelvises, they don't, they can put minimal amounts of muscle on their glutes and it looks like they put a ton on, Right. but I have this narrow, what, um, like really long. And so for me, I have to spend a lot of time in a build eating in a surplus training has to be on point for me. Like I can't just do the bouncy bouncy and miraculously have this body I want. So it's been really fun to kind of enter the, the, the world of fitness and, and be a coach and help other women understand that you are an individual and what your fitspo is doing may or may, may not work for you. And so helping women find like, okay, no, you actually need to get into a calorie deficit and you need to learn how to sit in that calorie deficit. And it's okay for you to feel hungry. But another girl, I'm like, no, 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 you need to eat. (laughs) You you know, you need to be in a calorie surplus. And with your body, you know, we could probably push way more than, than what you're used to eating. But for you to build those delts and the glutes that you want, don't do what your fitspo is doing. You are an individual. You need to do something else. So it has been really fun to do that. And then on Instagram, I don't always have a six pack because I'm in a build, right? So it's really enjoyable to show women like right now I have roles and I've got to embrace them. I am feeling (laughs) fluffy and I've got to embrace it and just breathe it in because I want muscle. And if you want muscle, then you've got to embrace this too, which is a completely different narrative than what most women are used to hearing in this industry. Yeah. Now, it's so refreshing to hear that because a lot of times, literally people think, oh, this person looks like this 24-7, 365. And yeah. so for you and somebody that's got you know a very big social media following, to show like, hey, look, I don't like look like what you would think I should look like every day. And I'm OK with that. That's got to be really empowering for them. It is. And it is so wonderful helping breathe health into fitness. Mm-hmm. It is like that's kind of what I feel like I'm doing for these women. You know, I had a client, not just one. This happens a lot. I made this. I posted this yesterday or did a story or something like that on Instagram yesterday about this. I had, I have these girls come to me saying, I need to fix my metabolism. (laughs) And I'm just like, do you know what? You actually don't need to fix quote unquote your metabolism or your hormones. Like they're fine. But what they, what they're really asking for is they want permission to be able to, to eat more. They want permission. They want somebody to tell them who who's coming at it from a very, like from a knowledgeable place to tell them, do you know what? Eat more. That's that's, that's what they want to hear. And they're so like grateful. And then we have them eating at maintenance. They're enjoying food. They're enjoying life again. They're feeling strong in the gym and they're like, Oh, this is amazing. You're such a genius. And I'm like, I'm not a genius. I'm you just needed somebody to give somebody that you looked up to, to give you permission to eat more <laughs> and to actually be okay at maintenance. That's a really exciting, like it's exciting to get girls a six pack. But for me as a coach, it's more exciting when I have girls be like, wow, like I'm in, I feel great in the gym. I feel strong. Like I feel healthy. Like I'm eating all this food. Like I can eat with my family. I'm not, it's so, it's such a beautiful thing for me to help girls find true, like mental and emotional health and health with their real health with their body and with their relationship to their body and their relationship to foods. Wow. That's awesome. Okay. So I've just got like this laundry list of things I want to talk to you about because you did this Instagram post and I'll do my best to link it in the show notes that just talks about why people and especially women struggle to achieve their fitness goals. So I'm going to kind of go through a handful of those because I think the bullet points were amazing, but each bullet point could lead to like separate, like in-depth conversations. So for Mm -hmm. starters... How does anxiety impact someone's ability to achieve their goals? Oh, man. 
so I, I actually studied the brain. Like that's, it's really weird. Like the things <laughs> that I stay up late at night studying, but the neuroplasticity of the brain is so fascinating to me. Right. And mm-hmm. I think as a coach, it's really important to understand how the brain works. So when we get into a state of anxiety, neurologically, like our brain literally steps away from logic and reason and it's being run by a portion of our brain that's actually more in charge of survival Mm -hmm. and what we do is we go into this state of like fight flight or freeze mode right so when women are just filled with anxiety they go into this fight flight or freeze mode and they're actually brain wise we're we're having a disconnect with logic and reason the part that frontal cortex that that part of the brain that's running you know logic and reason so so when we're in that state of anxiety we have literally stepped away from from good decision making and now we're in this fight flight or freeze and women start making some of and men this isn't just women right people start making really bad decisions so women will will freeze up like well i can't do anything because it has to be perfect. And so they'll freeze, right? Or some women will go, will fight. They'll go to extremes where they feel, or some will flight, like they're like, well, I'm out, nothing works for me. I'm gone, right? (laughs) So we see this pattern and this is just human behavior. So when you're in that state of anxiety, that's when it's so good to have a coach who isn't in that with you, who can be that logic and reason and can pull you out. And be like, hey, so these women will make these rash decisions. They're they're so anxious about hitting their goals. And they needed to have hit them yesterday. And so they'll be like, oh, I just need all the cardio. I just need no food. I just need to fast. I just need to do this. I just and they start making, once again, totally non, for lack of a better word, intelligent decision making. Right. 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 So that's why I really try to work with my clients on their, their mental game. Like, because I'm not going to be their coach forever. And when they leave me, I want them to be empowered with knowledge, but also the mental and emotional gains to be able to then coach themselves. So if they can be like, whoa, like take a step back. I'm very emotional right now. Um, I'm reacting from a state of anxiety, calm down, take a breather. Let's look at the data, not my emotions, not how I'm feeling, but look at the data and then base our decision-making off of that. So the truth is I haven't been following the plan. (laughs) So instead of trying to lower my calories to zero and raise my cardio to two times a day for an hour, maybe I should just follow the plan I have right now, a hundred percent, then I'm not starving. Then I have time for my family too. Right. So, so that's something that I like walking my clients through is, and everybody has those emotional moments. I have male clients too, and they have their emotional moments too. They, there's this emotion when it comes to our body, especially, especially when we cannot distinguish our worth from our body. And, and I would have to say that culturally women do do this more because so much emphasis is put on body yeah. and worth. And we are seeing that shift to now men are really feeling that as well. But I would say social media has some play in that. And I don't think it's healthy, but th- that's what we're dealing with now. Yeah. So it's a part of coaching that cannot be ignored if you're in this game. Yeah. That's such a great point. Like the thing that I, I always like take notes when we're doing this. And one of the things that I wrote down is trying to move people from this subjective state to a truly objective state, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Well, like you said, like when your emotions are running high, when you're anxious, when you've got all these other stressors or things that are going on, it's very easy, like you said, to see these massive pendulum swings, right? It's like, yeah. oh, I'm going to starve myself or, oh, I'm going to do all the cardio Oh, well, now I look weak and I'm going to do all the strength training and I'm going to bulk. And so you literally see people going between these these extremes in a matter of days or weeks. So taking the time to, like you said, step back, be aware of where you're really at, being objective 
about your adherence and the things you are or aren't doing correctly makes all the difference in the world. Mm, definitely. Yep. You summed it up way better. You, you should just do it tonight. <laughs> that's okay. You like 20 minute rant and that, summed it in like two minutes. Well, that's, that's my job. I got to bring it all together. Okay. So another topic that I'm really interested in is expectations. And mm. you mentioned this. I think it's always been hard for women. And as you alluded to, it's probably getting harder and harder now for men because they're used to seeing these guys that look fantastic and they've got six packs and they assume that, you know, that's how they live 24 seven. So how do you help your clients better manage expectations and what they can realistically expect to achieve from their own bodies? That's a great question. So I'm going to bring it back to, I think that this world of, of social media can do a lot of harm because think about it. Like the people that are rising to the top in social media are the ones who for the most part, 99.9% of them. And that is a very factual number. I did not just make that up, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) 99% of them genetically look like, ah, I hate saying that, but I'm going to genetically may have an advantage. Yeah. Or, or we also, and this goes for men and women, we also live in the, in a world where um, like 10 years ago, if somebody wanted to do something physically hard, they would have done a marathon. And now if you want to do something physically hard, bodybuilding, this, this world is opening up to just so many people, so many people do competitions now yep. in yep. my mind, it's like the new marathon. Mm. But the problem is a lot of these women don't have the minds to be doing it because you get so lean coming out of that's really hard. Yep. So I'm in a place, Utah's very competitive when it comes to bodybuilding. Like I'm, I'm, I go to the gym and these girls will do one show and they're, they're on, they're still at a local level. And the next time they do a show, they've gotten on gear. Yeah. Like it is so unbelievably common that people would be very shocked if they knew how many of their Instagram people that they follow have dabbled into it to some degree. Yeah. And so that's really hard. I I never I it's hard because it's like I don't want to just say, well, don't take them seriously because they're genetically blessed. Like genetically blessed people can know what they're doing. Right. But if anybody's ever scrolled TikTok or Instagram long enough, you'll also see that there's a lot of genetically blessed people who have no clue what they're doing. <laughs> right. 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 And you don't, you don't have to look very far to see it. So expectations are really high because you have a lot of people trying to sell high expectations because that's how they sell their workout plans. That's how they sell their coaching see the body of your dreams in three months. Like, like, you know, they, they try to sell all of these. And so I'm over here on the other end being like, uh, I'm like trying to pull back your expectations because I'm somebody who has been natural and has have more of like a background in education in no, this is for majority of people. This takes a long time. It doesn't take three months it doesn't take 12 months for some people. It can be a process of five years before they're like, Whoa, right. Mm -hmm. Depending on their goal, totally depending on their goal. You know, if it's leaning more to muscle growth, then time is very essential, right? You can't, you cannot get around that unless you're taking something right. And then you kind of can get around that a little bit. So it's hard to tell people like you bring down your expectations. You're seeing all of this fluff that isn't necessarily real, or maybe, maybe they just don't even have very good understanding to be able to see through the fluff and the what's real. Right. right. I have a lot of women say that, like that's really hard, but anyways, so walking them through expectations, I always tell them like, the only thing that you can control is your day-to-day. You actually can't control the outcome. Yes. So we've got to focus on the day-to-day habits that are going to that are going to lead you to the outcome. 
And whether that outcome comes in five months, in 12 months, like all we do, a good coach is really has education and then they do a lot of a lot of guesswork because everybody is different. So when you come to me, the first set of macros I give you or nutrition or whatnot, it's my best educated guess. And then I watch your body for two weeks and I see how it responds. And then I respond accordingly. I'll change the plan accordingly. So when I late, when I first sign my clients up, I will walk them through like, this is where you want to be. This is where you're at. Here's the gap. This is how we fill the gap. But you're going to have to bring your expectations down because we don't know yet how your body's going to respond. Right. And so I actually think more education helps people put their, their expectations in line better with their body and goals. Wow. Okay. That's super, super important. That's something I know I've talked about for years is the role and value of educating people. But when you talk about expectations, uh, I don't want to hijack your show, but I will tell this little anecdote because I think it's valuable because for a long time, like one of the standards for men was, oh, I want to look like the guy on the cover of Men's Health, right? And you can see me like there's a Men's Health magazine with some guy that was in a movie. I think he was in the Twilight movies. But anyways, like literally like six pack. So I was talking because for years I worked for Men's Health and the editors at the time were like, you would be shocked. Like a lot of the guys that we do photo shoots with and that are like in the centerpiece of the magazine demoing exercises don't work out at all. Legitimately, they don't work out like we have to teach them how to squat, how to deadlift. We have to teach them these things on set. They naturally look like that. So like. Yeah. So it's, it comes back to that, that expectation of, oh, I want to look like this person or that person. It's like, well, you know, like you alluded to 99.9% of us have to do a lot of work. And there's like this very small subset that just Mm -hmm. have the juice, you know, Mm -hmm. again, it just helps, like you said, educating people every step of the way, right? Educating them in what's realistic, educating them in how to get from A to B educating them to like the guesswork part is huge. (laughs) And I don't think people like hearing that, especially like trainers Mm -hmm. and coaches, but like a big part of what we do is just educated guesses. And the longer you do it, the more educated your guesses become. Love that. And I tell people that too. I say, depending on the coach depends on how much the guest is educated. Yes. 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 (laughs) But, but other than that, Cause they're always like, well, how do you know to do, to increase carbs at this exact point that this is, and I'm like, you're making it way more complicated <laughs> than it is. Right. I, I merely have studied this and continue to try to study this extensively. And my job is to respond to how your body's responding. And, and so if I see like, well, you're feeling pretty winded through your, through your lifts and you shouldn't be, even though we're in a cut, well, maybe if I lower your protein just a little bit, cause it's on point, lower your protein a little bit, give you a little bit more carbs to fuel those workouts. Let's then see what happens. There's not a, now I know your body's going to do this and this. I actually don't know, but this is a good educated guess about what we can do to solve the problem. Now let's do it and see how your body responds. And so that's my job as a, as a coach. And I think it's fun. I think it's really fun. And I love it when clients understand that they are, that they're coming to me and it's like, they're their own research. Yeah. And we are about to like, we're going to see what works for them, what they respond to. And in fact, my background of program design is it's, it's, I really enjoy it because it's like, okay. I have some clients who hypertrophy, they respond really well at 10 to 12 reps. And then I have some clients who are far more trained or with more muscle tissue. And they're like six to eight, like they're like eight to 10. Right. So I love this, like, okay, we're just going to see what works for you, how your body responds. And then we change up the plan accordingly. Love it. Love it. Okay. Along kind of these same lines, when you posted that, Instagram post, something you talked about was shame. And that's 
It's such an interesting word. It's not something that people talk about a lot, but it's also something I don't think people like fully understand or they don't like take stock of it in themselves. So I would love to hear from you how shame can negatively impact someone's fitness journey. Yeah, there's this. So culturally, I think a lot of people were just raised it's not like their parents were trying trying to shame them, right? Parents right. are just trying to do the best that they can. But sometimes we accidentally teach shame to our children because we want them to feel that what they did was bad. Mm-hmm. And so, and sometimes the verbiage can teach them shame. It can teach them, okay, if if you know, if you're if you're trying to teach your child not to, I'm right now trying to teach my child not to pee the bed. So this right. is on my mind. This is what you get. <laughs> yeah, um, that's fine. But I I was listening to somebody talk to their child and it's like that's so embarrassing that like you're 7 and you're and you're you still can't, you know, you have to wear diapers and come on, none of your friends have to wear diapers and right. like come on, you got to try and, and 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 they don't realize that the way that they're handling is actually implanting shame into their children. And that voice carries them through life and that when they do something quote unquote wrong, they're going to shame themselves. And I see this with women all the time. So a woman, she's having a really bad day and she's hungry because she's in a calorie deficit. Maybe she didn't get enough sleep last night. She didn't plan her meals very well. So she's like, screw it, whatever. I'm just going to, and she just starts eating, you know? (laughs) And then afterwards she catches herself And she's like, and she sinks down and the voice that was taught to her about how to handle failures comes back and it is shame. And it's, oh, everybody else can do this. Why can't I do this? This is, oh, what's my problem? But what's crazy about it is that a lot of people embrace shame because they feel like if I can make myself feel bad enough if I can feel that what I did was quote unquote wrong and bad enough, and if I can feel sorry enough for it, then I won't do it again. I mean, just look at parenting. How many parents parent their children that way? If I can make them feel it was so bad. Right. And, and, and a lot of times we do it through shaming them, then they won't ever do it again because they feel it. So that is not right. And that is not And it does, it may change behaviors for a few days, but it doesn't for a lifetime because you haven't really tackled the real problem. So talking about this girl, I'm like, awesome. So, so you felt really bad. Yeah. And I, you know, just telling myself, why can't I do this and this and this and that, and and I'll read it too. Like, even if we're not doing an in-person check-in, if they email me, I can read the shame in their voice as they beat themselves up. I'm so embarrassed that I keep doing this. I'm this and this and that. And I just think it's really sad. So I'm like, okay, so the last time you did this was about three weeks ago and, or two weeks ago, you know, and, and you feeling bad and talking down to yourself, did that change you? Because we're right back to it again. Right. And they're like, no. Okay. So all of that shame, all of that feeling bad, it's really interesting. So like I said, I like studying the brain. And one thing that they found through research was when we come at a problem in shame mode, we actually turn off all of our like highways in our brain to learn and change all of those turn off. And so nobody can truly learn if they're shaming themselves. So a kid gets a math question wrong and we shame him. We are literally turning off any desire he, his brain had to make connections. And so self-compassion is really how we get out of that. Now, self-compassion is often misunderstood. People think that self-compassion is somebody just making excuses for their behaviors. And, and it's not, it's not excuse ridden. That is not self-compassion. Self-compassion is actually one of the greatest learning techniques that we have. It's accepting the fact that I failed, but I'm I'm apart from my failure. I am not my failure. Yes. So self-compassion is understanding. I failed on that diet, 
but I'm not a failure. It's that disconnect there, right? So self-compassion is absolutely key because in order to have curiosity, you need to have self-compassion and curiosity leads towards education and change. So the best thing a woman can do instead of having shame and shaming herself would actually be to sit, get curious and say, what was it that led up to that moment? Because there is an actual trigger that sent me over the edge. What was it that did that? And if we can get curious about our behaviors, we can start identifying patterns. If we identify patterns, we can know what we can change and know new habits and how to form them. Wow. (laughs) So, so good. I want to circle back because something you said at the very start where you talked about parents and how they talk to children, I think is fascinating. And it's something that not enough people understand And I notice it a lot with the females that I've worked with over the years and the language that they use to describe their bodies. Like you said, you can almost feel the shame. Yeah. And and I've noticed this a handful of times, but it's not just the language, but it's where they got the language from, which is like Mm. you said, it's from their parents. Right. Mm. So you track it back and you're like, oh, well, that's that's how mom would talk to me. And then you look up that food chain and, well, that's how mom felt about herself. So then she Mm -hmm. trickled it down to her daughter. And now her daughter is like perpetuating this cycle, right? Yeah. Like fascinating in a negative way. But I think that's something that people need to understand is like sometimes this stuff isn't just that person. It's like this is Mm -hmm. a family history of things that has gone on for generations, right? And isn't it interesting that people will say, well, this is my genetics. Is it your genetics? Or is it the family food culture or family culture around dieting, Mm. right? That is literally been passed on. So here's where women have to be very cautious is when we experience something negative like that, what people often tend to do is they want to swing the pendulum way to the other side. But wisdom is seldom found in extremes. Wisdom is found usually in the middle. So a woman, um, I'm actually working with a client right now who is like, I I can't track macros. And that's fine. That's fine. We are finding other ways for her to hit her goals. But this is just, I'm using this as an example. So we started diving into this and we found, and and she started opening up about the fact that her mom had, um, she believes her mom had like, some degree of anorexia Mm -hmm. and there was, and so this is now a trigger for her. And she grew up in this home where this mom wouldn't eat, but everybody always praised her mom. You're so skinny. You're so fit. You look so good. But here, this girl, this little girl is seeing, but this isn't healthy. And she's spotting it. This isn't healthy. How my mom is, is obsessing about this and looking this way. So what does she do? Well, she swings to the other side of the pendulum and she's like, I'm not going to do that to my children, which is a wonderful thought. Don't teach those bad habits to your children. That is a beautiful thought, right? Right. But then all of a sudden it's like, so I'm not going to talk to them at all about food. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. But, but you've got to educate your children about food because we are now living in a world where Food has been modified to such a heavy degree that it becomes very hard for us to actually intuitive eat. So whole foods, our bodies can intuitively eat them because right. they're filled with fiber and you know dense nutrients. And, and so it's easy for us to eat those and feel full without overeating calories and be an intuitive eater. But that was the world of yesterday. That is not the world of today, right? The reason why we are in the position, the reason why, Mike, I won't have a problem, even if there's a pandemic getting clients, is because our culture around food, and this can also vary between households and countries, but majority-wise, our culture around food is such that it's ridiculously hard for us to intuitively eat because our foods are genetically engineered for us to not be able to intuitively eat. So I understand this woman. She doesn't want to 
give her children these same insecurities with food. But at the same time, we live in a world where you can't just ignore food. You have to teach health. But here's the problem. Okay. This is my, this is something I've been thinking a lot about is that it's usually, usually the women who spot this problem have eating disorders themselves or have backgrounds of eating disorders. Mm. And so they want to teach this and they understand that it needs to be taught, but it comes, come, sometimes it can come from a place of, of extremes because of where they had taken their extremes. Does that right. make sense? It, it makes total sense. Like like you said, it's literally the pendulum swinging 100% the opposite way versus like, okay, this is an issue and settling more in the middle and like having yeah. this healthy relationship with food or your mindset towards food, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Huh. That's fascinating. Okay. I got one more and then we'll start to wrap up. But I'd love to know because you're a coach, what role does accountability play in someone's success? And how do you go about getting more accountability from the ladies that you work with? Mm. So I actually have a rule that I don't take clients unless they have been following me for a while on Instagram. Mm. And the reason why is because they get bought into me. Yeah, they're indoctrinated. <laughs> they are. I have indoctrinated them. But they believe in me so much that I can get them to believe in themselves. Mm. But I have noticed that when I have taken on in the past clients who haven't followed me at all, I'll tell them, okay, we need to do this and this and that. And they're like, no, there's not a discussion of, well, why? I would like to know why. And I typically try to tell people why we're doing what we're doing. But I've just noticed that, that, that um, as a coach, your circle of influence needs to grow. You can't force somebody into that. They have to willingly step in. And those are the ones you can usually help. Your circle of influence grows as you, like if we're looking at this on on the world of Instagram, that's where a majority of my um, marketing is. My circle of influence grows as I help as I one become educated myself and two help educate other people and do so um, free. Like I give free advice. I don't, I don't hold back on Instagram. And so I discuss tons of different topics and I'm, and so, and I'm about to start a podcast so that I can continue to give free information because that's, that is so powerful for people to step into my circle of influence and I can almost help them more once they do that. Right. Yeah. When a coach, so when a guy walks up to a girl in the gym and he said, he starts telling this girl who is a complete stranger, everything she's doing wrong (laughs) on her lift. One, a piece of my soul dies a little bit because (laughs) I I think to myself, 90% of what you're telling her is so wrong, but I think you have no idea what it took that girl to walk in the gym that day and pick up that weight. Like how dare you just walk over and assume that you can push your circle, force her into your circle of influence. Right. Now, if she asks you, that's one thing, but don't just force, you cannot force people into that circle of influence. So if you see somebody and you really want to help them, you become their friend first. And then when they feel that, you know, your stuff, they will actually ask you. And that's what's powerful is when people come and ask you, not when you try to force it on other people. So the words I use to describe this, I'm writing it down now, but trust-based marketing, right? Yeah. Like literally that's what I built my entire business off of is I educate and I'm going to put out a bunch of free stuff much like you, right? Like I used to write articles and people stopped reading. So I shot more videos and created a podcast to share information. And that's how I built my entire business. Like on the back end, do I sell things now? Yes. But I I always joke around, but like you could follow me for the rest of your life. And as long as I'm creating content and never pay anything, Mm -hmm. because I think there's value in that. And the education people take away from that, I think is so powerful and such a such a big piece of, of making this, this space a little bit better, right? Yes, exactly. When the center is about education, 
You're going to draw people towards you, but also you're absolutely right, Mike. We're making this industry a little bit better. And I love that. Yes, me too. All right. Big question time. If you could alter the space-time continuum and give young Lindsay Parker one piece of advice, what would it be? <laughs> oh, man. One, one piece of advice? Just one. It actually probably would be, instead of starting out my fitness journey in a diet, it would have been start it at maintenance and slowly push into a build. I, if I would have started at maintenance... Over a year, I would have still, I would have seen more muscle growth and it would have naturally, I would have seen some body recomp. I would have seen some, some fat loss at the same time because I went from being rather sedentary to all of a sudden, well, no, well, yeah, at the time I had that back injury, so I wasn't able to really move around that much. Right. So that's honestly what I would have told me. And then I would have said, don't fear carbs, eat them. And spend more time focusing on strength than losing body fat. I like it. I like it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's hard to only have one. I know. I, mean, I would write myself a novel at this point, but one is a hard one. Okay. I know it is because now I'm like, well, I would have told myself not to do burnouts on every single exercise. <laughs> too, right? Right? right. Everybody's like this is a killer burnout. So I'm like, Oh, well, I need to burn out every muscle every time I lift, like, right. right. It's just so many things. And you wonder why you're just smashed at the end of your sessions or the end of your training oh, right. week, like can't get out of bed. <laughs> why, why do I feel this deep ex exhaustion in my chest all the time? Right. Yes. It's like, well, uh, yeah, I, I went from training way too much thinking more is better. And that is another thing that I've done is you know, and I loved lifting so much, but now I lift four times a week. I spend more of my, my year in a build than I do a cut. And especially the past two years, since I had my last baby, I've spent more time and I've seen my body change in such fun ways that I'm, that's one I wish more women would understand the body you want is actually through eating more, not always less. I mean, there are those times, right? Yeah. But also through lifting heavy weight. They look at a fitness person and they think, well, she spends all of her time in a cut and she spends all of her time tracking macros. And I said, no, not a smart one. Not a smart one. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Okay. Last but not least, lightning round. So four fairly short questions. Your answer can be as long or short as you like. <laughs> Number one, what's your career highlight so far as a coach? Oh man, my career. Okay. I was thinking of something else. My career, it really truly is when women are excited, like get excited about the process and they fall in love with lifting heavy. Like I had a girl message me today. She's not a personal client. I have an app that um, a lot of people will use to get just training off of. Yep. And she messaged me and was like, for the first time in my life, I'm eating more. I'm training smart. And my husband is talking about my back muscles and my biceps are showing. And from, <laughs> I get so excited about that. Cause I'm like, and then on top of it, she's like, I've spent my whole life restricting my foods. So I'm like, she is now finding health and fitness, not just fit body, but she is finding health and she's combining it with her fitness. And that is a beautiful, powerful combination. Yeah, that is, that is awesome. I love hearing that. Okay. Number two, like you alluded to, you built a really successful brand on the Instagrams. So what advice would you give to young coaches, young ladies who want to do the same? Um, focus one first on educating yourself, not on the likes, not on the follows. Everybody is obsessed with the likes and follows. And I know people who have three times as many followers than me, and I am making four times as much as them, right? <laughs> Don't get caught up in the likes and follows. You put out quality, no nonsense, good information, but you can only have that if you are constantly pushing to educate yourself. N1 education is probably the best 
course I ever took. And I continue, I continue to do other courses, but I keep coming back to them because they set me up for such success as a coach. So those are the things you focus on educating yourself, knowing as much as you can and share quality information and people will step into your circle of influence. Doesn't matter the likes and follows just put out good information. We need that as an industry. We yes. need good information. Agreed. And I like that idea of, of people stepping into your circle, right? <laughs> Versus trying to grab them and pull them in. They will yep. willingly come if you're providing great information. Yes. That's awesome. Okay. Number three, I hate these questions, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> if you could give the ladies of the world one message about fitness, what would it be? Oh, I would actually, it'd probably be a question. Do you enjoy it or are you a slave to it? Mm. I like that. That's a big shift in mindset, right? Yeah. Yep. Are you a slave to it? Do you have to do it or do you do it because you love it? And if you don't do it because you love it and you feel like you have to do it, then you know, there's a big red flag. And find a good coach who can who can help you make that mental shift. The great thing about that, too, is it without saying it speaks to sustainability, right? Yes. Is this yep. going to be something they do for two weeks or two months? Or is it something that they can do for the long haul? That's really powerful. I like that. Okay. Last but not least, number four, what's next for Lindsay Parker? I finally, I finally said, fine, I'll do a podcast. So <laughs> that's good. That's good. I've had some, I've had some good feedback from people that when I do podcasts on their show and yeah. so I'm like, and a lot of times it's like, there are these little things that I'll share on Instagram that I'm like, and people will say, well, what about this and this and this and this? And I'm like, Hey, you, how many, I only have like, how many words? Like 150. I don't right. even know how I can't talk about all the nuances in just an Instagram post. And so I, I like talking about it, but I've shifted. I've been in the world of like, man, I've, I've done some pretty stupid things in fitness. I've done smart things in fitness. I feel like I've, I've tried the BOSU ball with the shoulder press, right. You know, I've done, <laughs> right. like the, you know, you do these silly things that don't need to be done. And then, and then, you know, sometimes we swing to the other side and we get extreme and, and I've done that too. I've done the broccoli, chicken, and rice diet plans too, right? I've, yep. I've done it all. And I'm really excited to share from kind of an somebody who spent the past six years really, really studying optimization of all things, all things fitness, like program design, nutrition, like the exact angle you're your, you know, knee flexion needs to be to get that perfect quad yep. emphasis squat. Like all of these nuances, and I'm really excited with the podcast to present it to just normal average people like about how this is the information you you need. This is the information you don't. Okay. Right. Like I'm excited to take like all of the things that I've learned with optimization and be like, you know, you don't need to worry about that but yes. you should be worried about this, mm -hmm. you know? So I'm excited to speak not to a population of, of bodybuilders, but to a population of moms and dads and, and just like regular people who just want to look and feel better. Yeah. Well, they need a filter, right? Like that's yeah. one thing that you accrue with time. The longer you do this, like we talked about, the better your guesses are, Right. But you yeah. also just got a stronger filter. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't have that. And so then they are. They're kind of like, oh, well, this person seems like they know what they're doing and they're fit and they've got a great Instagram page. So I'm going to do what they say, <laughs> you know, and they don't have the filter to say, oh, no, that person probably has looked like that their whole life and they don't know what they're talking about. So we need more people like you out there kind of beating the drum and helping the gin pop people of the world have more realistic expectations as to what they can do and how to take better care of their bodies. Cause there's just not a lot of people doing that out there. So I will definitely subscribe. I can't wait. Well, thank you. I'm excited. It'll be fun. Yes. Well, Lindsay, it this has been amazing. Such great conversation. Love the topics. Where can my listeners find out more about you and the great work that you're doing? Um, so on Instagram, 
I'm known as Lifting Lindsay. And then um, my website is liftinglindsay.com. So, wow, that will be very easy to link in the show notes. We can definitely do that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Lindsay, again, thank you so much for coming on. This was really fantastic. Okay. Thank you so much, Mike. All right, my friend, that does it for this week's show with Lindsay. Really hope you enjoyed it. I think I said this up top, but you know, it's a little bit different than some of the shows that I've done in the past. And, you know, we can obviously talk about hard skills and understanding biomechanics or anatomy or physiology, but some of these other deeper seated psychological things that may be kind of underpinning some of our clients' successes or lack thereof, I think are really important, really relevant for us to be talking about. And especially if you're somebody as a trainer or coach who has maybe not had body issues, who has always been athletic, who has always been lean, you know, and got into this because you're excited about it, it's important to have somebody like Lindsay speak for, you know, the clients and athletes that do struggle with these issues. Because I think there's a lot of deeper seated psychological stuff going on that we don't always see that we need to be conscious of, that we need to have on our radar. So again, a little bit different show, but I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, do me a small favor, go to wherever you consume podcasts, doesn't matter where, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, wherever you consume podcasts, go there right now, hit the subscribe button so you know each and every week when a new episode drops. So my friend, as always, thank you so much for your support, love and appreciate you, and we'll be back next week with our next episode. Take care.